0: Hello everybody and thank you for listening to this week's episode of Dorney's Vinyl. This week we got another, you know, I feel like I say this every week because I just feel this way. We got another good episode. Uh, This week I'm talking about Aerosmith's album, Rocks. Um, Before I get into that though, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it so much. Uh, You know, just if if you're interested in these podcasts, I got at this point a lot of album podcasts... A lot of EPs, extra podcasts, in which um, I just talk about some random stuff, play some games with my wife, some random kind of music games, so listen to them if you're interested. But let me get into Aerosmith Rocks, so I'll start off with a little bit about Aerosmith. So Aerosmith uh, formed in Boston in 1970, their most well-known lineup, and pretty much the most consistent lineup is uh, Steven Tyler, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer, Brad Whitford, and Joe Perry. And Boston obviously has been active since 1970. They they haven't really they they haven't stopped um, really. So it's pretty much 50 years, 51 years now. They are the best-selling American hard rock band of all time. They have 150 million records sold worldwide, and 70 million records sold in the United States. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2001. Uh, They have won 4 Grammy Awards, 6 American Music Awards, and 10 MTV Music Awards. And they've released 15 studio albums and 72 singles. Of their 15 albums, on the US Billboard 200, they had 14 Top 40 albums, 7 Top 10 and 2 Number 1s. On the UK Albums Chart, they had 7 Top 40 and 4 Top 10s. Of their singles, on the U.S. Hot 100, they had 20 top 40 singles, 8 top 10s and 1 number 1. And on the U.K. singles chart, 13 top 40s and 1 top 10. So now, Aerosmith Rocks, the, so the album. It's Aerosmith's fourth studio album, released in May of 1976. Even though Aerosmith's previous three albums were derided by critics, they had begun to amass a large and loyal fan base from their relentless touring and intense live shows. Aerosmith had also started indulging in their appetite for drugs, with guitarist Joe Perry recalling, quote, There's no doubt we were doing a lot of drugs by then, but whatever we were doing, it was still working for us. The band started recording for this album by booking the record plant's recording mobile recording truck into their rehearsal space, and the record plant was a recording studio in New York City. So they got a recording truck. The album itself was released in May of 1976, and it peaked at number three in the U.S. So contemporary reviews of the album were mixed. At the So at the time of the album being released, the reviews were mixed. John Millward of Rolling Stone wrote that, quote, The material is rock's major flaw, mostly pale remakes of their earlier hits, end quote. However, Robert Crisscall, who is uh, the name a name I mention a lot in more of the the old uh, 70s 80s albums, just because I feel like his name is pretty big, gave the album an A minus, saying quote They've retooled Led Zeppelin till the English warhouse, warhorse is all glitz and flow, beating the sh- beating the shit out of Boston and Ted Nugent and Blue Oyster Cult in the process. End quote. And then modern reviews. Are mostly positive So Greg Prado of All Music Rated it 5 out of 5 stars Saying quote Out of all their albums Rocks did the best job of capturing Aerosmith At their most raw and rocking And the album was also one of Nirvana's Kurt Cobain's favorite albums And guitarist of Guns N' Roses Slash Said that the Rocks was the album That inspired him to play the guitar So this album has had A lot of Influence on a lot of other artists. And then in his autobiography, member Joe Perry stated that the purpose of the album was, quote, to re identify us as America's ultimate garage band, with blistering guitars, blistering vocals, balls to the wall, smash your eardrum produ- production, end quote. And he also added, quote, we saw that record as a jewel, the culmination of all our angst and anger and excitement and joy as go for broke rock and rollers, end quote. So the personnel on the album, so Aerosmith the band consisted of Steven Tyler, and he did lead vocals, keyboards, harmonica, and bass guitar on track 5, Joe Perry, who did guitars, six-string bass on track 1, bass guitar on track 5, pedal steel guitar on track 9, percussion and outro solo on track 5, backing vocals, and harmony vocals on track 4, Brad Whitford on lead guitars on tracks 1, 2, 5, 6, and 9, and rhythm guitars. Tom Hamilton, bass guitar, and guitar on track 5. And Joey Kramer on drums, percussion, backing vocals on track 9. And it also, uh, it also consists of Paul Prestapino, who is not a member of the band, who plays the banjo on track 2. So the track listing then, so track 1 is Back in the Saddle. It was written by Tyler and Perry. It was released as the third single off of the album peaking at number 38 in the U.S. The song is notable for the slow buildup of the drumbeat and guitar riff in the beginning of the song, the sound effects of a galloping horse and whips, and screams and yodels at the end of the song. There was a real bullwhip that was intended to be used for the whip effects, and the band spent hours trying to crack it. The band also ended up from, from trying to whip this whip. They ended up cut and hurt with no progress. So they then decided that they would make the whip effects by whirling a 30-foot cord from the studio, then firing a cap gun to create the crack of the whip. And about writing the song, Perry recalled, quote, I was very high on heroin when I wrote Back in the Saddle. That riff just floated right through me. Track two is Last Child. It was written by Tyler and Whitford. It was released as the first single off the album, peaking at number 21 in the U.S., in the Aerosmith biography, Whitford explains, quote, After rehearsal one day, I played this riff in Stephen Yell's I Love It and started playing the drums. The lyrics are based on the life of the band at the time and all the time that they spent on the road. Track three is Rats in the Cellar. This was written by Tyler and Perry. In his memoir, Tyler said that the song, quote, Was more like what was actually going on. Things were coming apart. Sanity was scurrying south. Caution was flung to the winds, and little by little, chaos was permanently moving in. Track four is Combination, which was written by Perry. So the song features Perry sharing lead vocals with Tyler for the first time. And about this, Perry later commented, quote, This was touchy because singing was Stevens' jealously guarded territory. Beyond that, any time the spotlight shone on me, I detected a bit of jealous- jealousy from the other guys. After a while, though, the band came around and supported me as long as I sang the song as a semi-duet with Stephen. Track 5, Sick as a Dog, which was written by Tyler and Hamilton. In a 1997 interview, Perry said, quote, Tom played rhythm guitar on Sick as a Dog. I played bass for the first half of the song. Then I put the bass down and played guitar in the end, and Stephen picked up the bass and played it for the rest of the song. All live in the studio. One take. Track 6, Nobody's Fault. It was written by Tyler and Whitford. So Whitford often says that this is his favorite song by the band. According to Tyler, the lyrics are about, quote, earthquakes, which we were scared of, along with flying. Track seven is Get the Let Out, which was written by Tyler and Perry. Track eight is Lickin' a Promise, written, also written by Tyler and Perry. And the song is about the band's determination to deliver a rockin' live show. And track nine is Home Tonight which was written by Tyler, released as the second single off the album, and which peaked at number 71 in the U.S. And about the song, Perry said, quote, Stephen could always be counted on to come up with some little piano riff that would be our ballad for the record. And that was it. So that is the informational part of Aerosmith Rocks. I'm going to take a short little break here and get into the My Song Rankings My album score, my album rankings, and we will see what interesting things that I have come up with to say about this. Alright, so stay tuned. Alright, so I am back with my song rankings, my album score, and my album total score rankings. And just like my opinions about things. So I'll just get into it. So at number 9, I have Home Tonight. And you know what? I, I do want to just get into it, but before I get fully into it, I just want to say, and I say this for every time I, I do this I am not musically trained. I'm not very. I don't know, like. I, I don't know a lot of musical terms. I just kind of give a basic opinions because I really enjoy. And really enjoy listening to music and all listening to different types of music. Mostly classic rock, but that's. I, I just enjoy it, and I enjoy talking about and learning about the stories behind albums and songs. So. So we'll see how this goes, and you might not like it, and I'm sorry for that. So at number nine, I have Home Tonight. So I, I said it was a, a decent ending song. Um, his vocals, I, I, th- I thought Stephen Tyler's vocals weren't as great on this song as some of the others, though. And then for a ballad, I thought that there was kind of a bit too much guitar, if you're going to call it a ballad. Uh, it had good, pretty minimal lyrics. Uh, my favorite one was, and maybe drink a cheers to yesterday, and maybe you'll drink those tears away. And I'll I'll be honest. I think the guitar actually ended up growing on me by the end of the song, just because it has this kind of end of show feel to it. So at number eight, then I have Nobody's Fault. So this song it starts out pretty slow and dark, but then it kind of just it just explodes. Um, again, this song reminds me of Black Sabbath. Uh, I I said again because I, when I listen to this. The, the album I go through tracks one to track nine, and then I just put, write my notes like that. So this song reminds me of Black Sabbath. It's a, a pretty dark song lyrically, I think. So the one I pointed to was, sorry, you're so sorry, don't be sorry, man has known, and now he's blown it. Uh, the drums, I thought on this song, the drums really stuck out to me. Um, they're great, they uh, they are great in all of the songs, don't get me wrong. But this one in particular was the one where the drums stuck out to me. And the guitars are good too. Uh, um, and and again, though, I said, you know, the the guitars are good, but there's nothing really like special about the guitars. I guess is that what I'm saying is is what I was trying to say. Um, and nothing really that special or unique in this song. It kind of you know, one of one of the the albums that I kind of point to as having really good and different guitars is Boston, just because they all seem different, but um, you know they can't all be the same. At number seven, I have "Last Child." So this was interesting because this is their highest peaking single, I believe. It had this this cut, this slow start to it. Uh, it had Beatles-like harmonies, and then it it had like a, a poetic lyrical course. I think I said, but it still sounded like a rock song. And then already on this album, song two, we're at two two unique sounding songs. And then it, with, with, it had a nice that nice two-thirds guitar riff. I talk about that two-third guitar riff a lot. A lot of songs have that two-third guitar riff. Um, and I like to point that out and, and just listen to them. And then my favorite lyric for this song was, Take me back to a, to a south Tallahassee, Down cross the bridge to my sweet sassafrasse. Just a very funny lyric. At number six, I have Sick as a Dog. Um, so on this one, I liked kind of the semi-harmonies. That that it had, I think. I, I don't really know semi harmonies. What I meant by that, but interesting semi harmonies. I really I really don't didn't understand the lyrics to it at really that much. So I have the, what the lyric I pointed to was "sick as a dog." What's your story? Sick as a dog. A cat got your tongue. Sick as a dog. You'll be sorry. Sick as a dog. You really ain't that young. So I don't I don't understand. I don't know what this song is about. I really don't the guitar riff after the chorus, the second chorus really stuck out to me. And then it had another change of pace near the end of the song for a little bit. So I like how you know like they, they have you have a song and then there's like a change of pace where it kind of sounds like a different song but then it goes back to the original sounding song. So this one this it had like that ramp up through through the end afterwards after that kind of change of pace. And number 5 I have Get the Let Out. So this this one on the album I think was probably the simplest lyrical song. Um, the open lyric was probably my favorite, with Do You Like Good Boogie? Like a real boogie woogie, hear the jukebox singin', get the dance hall swingin'. Like again, like it's it's simple but it was catchy. I didn't realize uh from so so when I listen to these, I have the lyrics up on my screen so I can like kind of follow along I didn't realize even with the lyrics up that he was saying no 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 like he was continuously saying no until the second part until the second time that I heard it because originally I thought it was just part like an instrument like just them I don't know like a whammy bar I don't even know if that's the right term that's what I thought it sounded like but it was him actually singing and then uh, just, just on this one you know I like how most of the songs on this album either one don't end the way that that they start and or two don't end when you think they're over so that's what I liked about this one At number four I have combination so I liked how I liked how on this song it was like a harmony and sharing of vocals you know I thought that was really you know Steven Tyler's vocals are great and incredible and very unique but I I, I don't know I just liked uh, I, I, I like the, the change. Nothing in this song really sounded that repet, like repetitive. Like in, in terms of like riffs and instrumentals, like some songs kind of just reuse the same beat over and over, but this one just sounded unique and 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 fresh every every second. My favorite lyric for this one was, "I found the secret, the key to the vault. We walked in darkness, kept hitting the walls." And it's interesting again how, and I said this before, how the song completely changes how it sounds when the lyrics conclude like the lyrics are done the part of the lyrics are done and then there's like instrumental riffs and there's like different pace of tempo um and then but 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 my thought was maybe that's why it's called combination or maybe it was called combination because of the combination of voices i don't know but uh it it was it was nicely done and number three so we're in the top third back in the saddle um you know it's i like you know that slow start like you know it's building up to something it's it, like you know something's coming, and and this one so uh, I, I, I called it like a screeching voice, but it was like a controlled screeching, like it was it was it was definitely like a little bit of a screech, but it was like a controlled screech that like it wasn't wasn't an ear splitting screech. It was like this is musically talented screech, uh, and and v- it was very good lyrics. So quote that's when she caught my eye. She turned to give me a wink that'd make a grown man cry. Uh, I liked the guitars and the drums on this song. Uh, this was the first song I listened to, so, you know, obviously they're they're going to come up. And instrumentally, there sounded like there was a lot going on in this song. Um, the instrumental isn't, like, the stereotypical guitar-driven riff I felt like. Because it felt like, to me, every instrument on this song seemed to be at, like, the same level. So, I, I liked that. I liked how it wasn't just guitar, like, like some, a lot of... A lot of songs are just that two third rift is a straight guitar. At number two, I have Rats in the Cellar. I loved like the upbeat, rapid tempo to start. And this was the first song that reminded me of Black Sabbath. I was like, this kinda sounds like Black Sabbath. And Tyler's voice by song three was starting to grow on me. It wasn't that screech anymore. It was it was that controlled, you know, like I said, that controlled art like just art art form. And at first I thought because because I didn't I didn't see it in the listing I don't think but is that a guitar that sounded like a harmonica or am I just wrong in that it sounded like a harmonica? Um, but I thought that was cool and my favorite lyric was New York City's do's, East Side West Side news throw me in the slam catch me if you can they they they're very like they're they're the lyrics are are strong but they're not like lengthy lyrics like storytelling lyrics like they're like short and sweet. And the instrumental at the end is great. Um, you know, like I said, the liner has no other instruments on, on this song. So if this is just guitars and drums, it's like an it's an incredibly sounding instrumental. Um, and then, like, the drums at the end that come to, like, almost like a conclusion to an encore. Um, so this song is this song great. And number one, the only one that's left, I think this is surprising because this wasn't really, like, a hit song. Lickin' a Promise. Um, the drum intro... To this song was great. This it, it, and and I said it might be it's this might be my favorite song lyrically because we had Johnny like to gamble with his lady Louise. She was a blackjack deuces are wild. And, and like saying that it doesn't make sense, but like in the song it it just sounded great. And I also liked I I, I really liked the na 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 I sing I sing na 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 na. Um, I, I really like that part. I thought that part sounded really, really cool. And then, you know, this song, I, it, it had a great instrumental ending. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that song. Um, it's a bit strange for me to not pick, like, a single, because I'm pretty sure every album so far has been a single. Um, I think this is my 12th album podcast, and I think every album of my, when I picked my favorite song, it's been a single, with the exception of maybe one or two. But uh, Lickin' a Promise, that was my favorite. So now we'll get into the album score. So I will explain this as I go. So the first three categories are categories that I rate based off of my liking. So the first one is lyrics. So out of 10 points, I gave this an 8. Uh, the point the songs that I, I pointed to were Last Child, Lickin' a Promise, and Nobody's Fault. Vocally, I gave this a 9. I, Tyler's vocals grew on me. They were unique. They're probably very hard to replicate. That's why he's been in the band for so long. So I gave it a 9 with Back in the Saddle, Combination, and Lickin' a Promise being the ones that that stuck out to me vocally. And Instrumentals, I gave it an 8. The ones I pointed to, Last Child, Lickin' a Promise, and Rats in the Cellar. So those three categories will be multiplied. That that score will be multiplied by 2. So that'll be worth 60 out of the 100 points of, of the total score. So then the additional points. So out of ten, the U.S. chart. So it scored nine out of ten points because it was a number three, number three on the album chart. UK chart, it, it it unfortunately gets zero out of ten because it didn't chart on the U.K. chart. So zero out of ten. Singles, it only gets two out of ten. So it got one point for a number thirty-eight and one point for a number twenty-one. Um, five points if it would have gotten a number one. Four if it would have gotten two through five. Three if it was six through ten, two if it was eleven through twenty. So only two points there. And then cover I gave it an eight because I, I I think the cover for the for that time period was very important because a lot of times if you didn't know a band, or like the cover like walking through walking through the story, like the cover is what sticks out to you. So I gave it an eight out of ten. So the total score that it it ended up with, surprisingly, was only a sixty nine out of a hundred. I was very shocked at this. Um, I thought it would have scored a lot better, especially considering I gave it an eight, nine and an eight, which would come out to that. That's 50 out of the 50 out of the a hundred points right there with 40 left possible. So fortunately only 69 out of a hundred. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Next week, I got an, uh, a movie review of Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, and then my next album podcast will be the mamas and the papas. If you can believe your eyes and ears. If you aren't already, follow me on Instagram at Dorney's Vinyl. Um, I'm in the middle of posting, uh, voting for podcast, album podcast for season four. I really enjoy doing this podcast. I really hope you guys enjoy listening. Thank you guys, and I'll talk to you guys next week.